hold on one second. No, no, no. Where's the uh, where's the haircut, commie? Yeah, no. Freedom fro, baby. I'm growing it out. I'm not going to cut my hair for a while. Commie. I, I like it. The only problem is like oh, you yeah. get old, and then you have a lot of gray hair in your afro, and then um, it doesn't look quite as cool as it did when you were, you know, a ripped sixteen year old with streaks through your this hair. Is, this you is my base and living wild. How times? Oh have... yeah, what a difference Gosh. eighteen months make, people. Check it out. Oh yeah, yeah. look crazy. Eighteen look months crazy. ago, that's what I looked like eighteen months ago. Yeah, out of here. Uh, people say, uh, Viva, I liked it when it was shorter. I said it's the freedom fro, and it's not going anywhere. I did say I would cut it when I found freedom, but I've grown to love it. Uh, I was looking for an intro for this show that would not get us immediately demonetized and potentially booted from YouTube. And um, I have two clips to play of Chrissy Mayer, but, or at least one of Chrissy Mayer, one that's related to the discussion of the night. I'll play those when we go over to Rumble. We're going to last five minutes on YouTube, and then I'm going to end it right away and go over to Rumble exclusively. The link is in the pinned comment in the chat, or at least it should be. Uh, you may remember Chrissy Mayer from such podcasts as Viva and Barnes. Barnes might not be coming tonight. Viva and Barnes interviewed Chrissy October 2021. The world's gotten uh, slightly worse since then. Maybe it's going to get better. Maybe it's the dark before the dusk or whatever the heck that expression is. Um, Chrissy, I'm bringing you in. Let's do this. Three... Don't pick. She's picking her nose. She's not picking her nose. Uh, Chrissy, how goes the battle, Hello. Man? Oh, my God. I can't believe your hair was so short. I was I was watching that interview. Um, it's a year and a half ago. Can you imagine where the world has gone in the last it year and a half? Like flew by. It's really flown by. And just when you, you think it, it can't get worse. Oh, it does. It gets well, weirder and weirder. We 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 are going to get into the weirdness tonight. We have we by the way, everybody. We have a hard one hour. Uh, Chrissy's got another out. I saw your schedule; it's ridiculous. Barnes <laughs> might not make it. So, uh, everyone, if where's Barnes? Where's Barnes? He might not come. Chrissy, for those who missed our first interview, we're not going to go into your childhood, public schooling, your life Aww. as a young adult. Um, but thirty thousand foot overview, and then after the intro, we're ending on Rumble, uh, YouTube, and going over to Rumble. I love it. Who are you? Oh, you want my elevator pitch? Okay, so uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. I uh, thought I wanted to be a news reporter, went to school for media studies, communication, got a bachelor's, really, really thought I was going to be a reporter. It had an internship at Dateline when I was in college. I, I was working with Stone Phillips. I was like, oh, he is the most boring individual possible. Uh, then I got an internship at Conan when he was still in New York City. Uh, then I realized, okay, I love comedy. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I just, these are my people. Then I did five years of improv at the UCB theater and uh, the Magnet theater did a one woman show and then started stand up comedy, maybe like 13 years ago. Uh, and then, you know, just kind of floundered, did open mics and then really started to like put my foot on the gas, maybe like six years ago or so. Um, and all throughout this time, I, you know, I, I have day jobs, I'm working, I'm working at least one or two jobs this whole time. You know, I'm using my vacation days to do road gigs. I'm doing, you know, podcasts at night kind of thing, just really trying to balance the two worlds all the while. And then, you know, my most recent job I is in corporate media, uh, had that job for six years. During that time period, I become like red pilled. I become an out Trump voter. I am at January 6th, all of these things for which my boss really wants to fire me for, but can't until the pandemic, we go remote. Finally, we all have to get jabbed to get back into the building. 
that I wouldn't do. So I finally lost my job December of 21 uh, for not getting the jab. And I was considered voluntarily resigned. Didn't qualify for any kind of like an employment, um, no insurance, yeah. just like, okay, bye. So happy to have done that because I just feel like I was getting busier and uh, it was very clear that my boss wanted me out for political reasons anyway, because he read an article that I was on Megyn Kelly's podcast saying that January 6th was really chill. He wanted to fire me for that, but I was like, no, I took vacation days, so you can't <laughs> technically. Unbelievable. So. Uh, unbelie so, I mean, in your professional life, but the, what you're describing, like when, when did politics start infiltrating and souring relationships? <sighs> They really cranked it up for Trump. That was the first time I saw magazines like Glamour or Cosmo like convincing young women to break up with their Trump voting boyfriends. That was the first time I really saw that promoted. Uh, and and, the, and the, the pandemic only only intensified that by being like, yeah, like break up or don't talk to your unvaccinated family members. Uh, and it was just really intense but for me like yeah i think it was really trump because i didn't like him at first i voted for jill stein and then just over the years hearing fake news fake news and then it just clicked one day and i was like oh my god it's all propaganda we'll all be darned <laughs> how does that type of revelation um impact your comedy you're doing stand-up comedy now for i don't know if it's not a decade it's it's pretty darn close it it impacts it a lot because i started out stand-up like really I should have become a lot more successful because I was like a single woman living in Brooklyn, liberal Democrat, hated my dad. Like I had all the things a, a, stand, a female stand-up comic should have to be successful. Uh, and then I just, you know, I'm just chugging along. And then I go in a, in a year, I go from hosting a monthly show at the, at the Stonewall Inn, which is a gay LGBT like landmark. It's where the Stonewall riots started. I go from hosting a show there to hosting a weekly show on compound media. I just couldn't do both of them, but my sense of humor didn't change nothing. I went from, and I lost all these friends and working relationships because I went from monthly show at gay bar to weekly show at supposed right wing network, you know, Anthony Cumia's network who, who was best known for Opie and Anthony, mostly in like tri-state area, like New York, New York, Jersey, hugely successful, like, you know, then they kind of both broke up. Anthony Cumia is one of like the OG kind of canceled comedians um, and that happened. And then he started Compound Media, like I think in 2016. And then I came on that network in 2019. Uh, you're at a gay, well, you're doing a once a month at a at the Stonewall Club, which is the Stonewall riots, which was, when was it? It was in the late 60s? 1969. Yeah. And that was, you know, gay people fighting or rioting for gay rights back in the day. I do wonder uh, what they would think of the current movement in terms of how it's morphed into something that uh, apparently many people of the gay and lesbian community don't want to be a part of, and then they get called turfs for it. But Oh yeah. I'm sure they weren't at Stonewall fighting for the right to twerk in front of elementary <laughs> school kids. I'm sure that wasn't even on the list of goals. Some people, Chrissy would say it was, it was just on the end of the slippery slope yeah, okay. and now we're living it. Uh, you know what? Like, before yeah. before we even get there, let's let's just go ahead and end this on on YouTube, and we're gonna really get into it on Rumble. So the link is there, people. Yeah, let's Come get on over weird. to Rumble. Oh, three, two, one, off of YouTube now.
Chrissy, I've been asking a lot of people this question. Like you, you've lived through it in a more direct manner than me and many others. When did, uh, you know, LGB, lesbian, gay, bi, when did it become LGBT, LGBTQ? When did it go from gay rights to we want to twerk in front of your kids? When did drag shows for kids become a priority for Democrats and for purportedly the LGB community? And I don't think it is for them. But when did that become the issue, like in your transition of comedy? I remember it's it was while I was still hosting at Stonewall. I just remember there was one Pride summer where where it was so obvious that how corporate it all went. I was like, oh wow, Bank of America, Bank of America, J.B. Morgan Chase. Like I was seeing every single company had like a rainbow logo. All of a sudden, I was like, I'm like yeah, it looks like you guys made it. Like look looks like you know it, it appears that you guys are not having trouble getting hired everywhere. Like y'all can get married, y'all can adopt. Like uh, you you made it, and then and then somehow, like drag queen story hour, be, became I I don't know whose idea that was. I just it feels like very calculated to kind of start pushing that, and then it seems like just a lot of parents' blood started to boil, and then you have these you know uh, these mom groups that start becoming more outspoken, and then you have the basically like the policy revving up in places like California, you have these basically like trans utopian states popping up. Like I think Colorado is one now, California, where you can just go and and get a trans surgery and you don't your parents don't even need to know. Um and it's it's hard to not have be conspiracy minded about it, but it you can see a very clear correlation between like if a kid has enough um, agency to decide to have a very permanent adult sexual surgery on themselves, like it's conceivable that they could also then have the agency to consent to an adult sexual relationship. But that's where a lot of people go, oh, yeah, this just leads to the normalization of pedophilia. And it's like it's really hard to make an argument against that. It's not. Well, it's not even. I mean, I remember back in the day. It, it seems like a decade ago, and it might very well have been, but you had these websites normalizing it. I think you had the minor attracted person term. Someone's going to have to fact check me for when, that's, when that term started taking off. But it's, it's the natural and necessary evolution. If it's that someone can just, you know, alter their bodies because they're mature enough, well, they can do what they want with their bodies if that means having relations with an adult person. And we're, we're, it'll, it'll get there. It'll get there because the parodies have become the headlines. But so, uh, okay, now, and, and by the way, so we're seeing all of this happen at the same time as COVID. When you lose your job, first of all, someone, someone says, I'm, I bet you're glad you held your ground. Explain to the world what that feels like. I, I didn't have a job to keep or lose uh, to not, you know, if I decided not to get vaccinated. And my, my uh, retrospectively stupid decision, touch wood, you know, I've, I've survived it, but it was not based on that type of pressure, but maybe other type of pressure. When you, face the reality that you're going to lose your job what goes through your mind and how did you how did you how did you know or how did you decide to come to that decision i just for me it was like uh like i don't want to completely rule out the idea that i might like have a kid one day so for me like when that's factored in the decision was made very easy because i'm like there's there's no studies on what this does to adults, but there sure as hell aren't any studies on what this does to to pregnant women. So I was like, yeah, I'd rather not be uh, like a, <laughs> a a test hamster for this or whatever. 
but and then once we kind of knew like once I made a decision like there's nothing that's worth it I can always get another job I can always I was starting to see like okay I think I could start making the bulk of my income from like comedy and podcasting I think it's possible and like me and my fiance got to the point where we were like yeah probably one of us will lose our job over this and it was just kind of like this waiting game of you know the mandates were up and then but also time was kind of running out like it was it felt like they were going to like let let up on it uh sooner or later and it just was like kind of a i could tell that new york especially new york city was like really pushing it for as hard as they could it almost like was this sense like yeah, if we can just get everybody jabbed until this, it, it was like this corporate sort of collective pressure of like, yep, we're all doing this. And, you know, you hear people, especially comedians, using their fake cards. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. It's about the principle because like you might be able to like fake card your way through this pandemic, but I, I don't think most people see it. Okay, well, then what about two pandemics from now when we're getting chipped or we're getting thrown into trains or... You know, we're literally being held down and in like inserted with something. Well, <laughs> sexual not, jokes aside, <laughs> it's not that far off. But now, Chrissy, I know that you were not engaged the last time we did an interview, because if you were, I would have put that together. When did you get engaged? Last June. Congratulations. When is the big day or what? Um, it is uh, going to be sometime between now and the fall. I'm just like not saying it because. uh you, you don't, don't want, want you don't, I don't, don't want, want all of you to show up there. <laughs> I was gonna say you don't want hecklers crashing the wedding, uh, but but Chrissy, uh, so th this is the question. Now you're having this revelation starts with Trump, sort of a, it's not a political shift. I think it's rather just a, a, a intellectual shift. But you're in the industry of, of stand up comedy, there, and I always say like you know high school never ends; it just gets bigger. There's clicks in comedy, is there oh, not? Oh yeah, and so absolutely. How, how does it work when you now see yourself working your way to the outs of the inner click and then in to the outer click that doesn't necessarily control the purse strings or any of the strings in the industry? That's exactly it. You work your first few years in stand-up. You're like, oh, okay, I see who's booking the late night shows. Uh, it, it's like the normal trajectory is like open mics to showcases to um, you get on a late night show like Colbert it used to be Letterman and Leno. And then you'd be kind of set. Maybe you'd make your way to a sitcom or something or a, an HBO Comedy Central special. But now, I mean, when I started, which was like 13 years ago, the path was sort of like, yeah, like open mics, showcases, late night spot, um, some kind of a special, maybe a sitcom. Maybe you kind of get into commercials like a lot of the, the improv people I would see in commercials. And um, I think it's harder to make a living in improv unless you're like TJ and Dave, which are the guys you would see in the Sonic commercials all the time. Like they can do a full blown improvised play as good as anything you could see in New York City. Like I, I saw them perform a couple times at the Barrow Street Theater. Ridiculously talented improvisers. Most people are like not at that level. And uh, it's uh, so you, you know, you go, OK, these are who I have to impress these are who I have to get in with. These are the people I have to be, you know, do I have to do FaceTime at these clubs or at these shows and get to know these people. So much of it is networking because you could be really talented, but if you, the right people don't like you, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, so I just spent, I feel like the first maybe like, I guess, I don't know, six years of doing stand up, just 
uh, trying to like, you know, get better, of course, but so much of his networking to pretend that if you're just talented, things will happen for you is very naive. It's, it's very much all about like who, you know, and, uh, starting to feel like I was starting to sort of talk to the, the booker at Colbert, starting to put a set together, starting like in the initial stages of beginning to like record it and then send that set off. And then it's a, it's like a filing process of, of like, okay, these jokes have to go like anybody that you see on Colbert or any of these late night shows, like their set is so carefully like chopped up and put back together and edited and, it's not just like the raw version of anybody because there's so much you can't say there, you know, even on like networks, there's like things you can't, I was just on Newsmax and I said the word boner and, and apparently you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> I said, I said, uh, what else did I, say? I said erection. And then they're like, Oh, and I was like, Oh, so there's just, <laughs> that's just TV for you. There's so much you can't say. And, uh, and then it starts to, yeah, I think the, the pandemic was big. I remember I was in, LA like March of 2020 doing a headlining show and I was on Sam Tripoli's um tinfoil hat podcast and he was is this conspiracy theory podcast he's like what do you want to talk about I was like I don't know I guess aliens like I honestly wasn't the biggest conspiracy theory person I just like thought he was really funny and was a fan and wanted to do his show and just something about talking to Sam and being on there and like he just put a few things into my ear and then I had all of the, the pandemic to think about it. And it was that plus putting it together about fake news. And I just was like, it was like my mind was blown on so many things. And I just feel like I grew up in, in a couple of months, like just the weight of the truth about uh, things going on uh, in the world was it's kind of, it can get dark, but I just was, it was a lot all at once. And then everything clicked and you're like, okay, do I want to be black pilled or white pilled? What do I do with this information? So the last couple of years has been the process of how do, cause you have your jokes, like your bank of jokes that you've been doing whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. But then there's like the person that you currently are today and uh people write at all different levels so like now it's like really the process of like having my stand-up and my stage presence and show matching up with and aligning with like who i am basically on a podcast or like my current you know beliefs i've had on uh clifton duncan was on he's a another left they say a liberal democrat actor um who took the red pill still considers himself liberal i think but loathes the liberals Tyler Fisher, who I don't, I don't know that he ever considers considered himself liberal, but is now like on the outs. And then once you get on the outs, I mean, first of all, is there a, a defining moment where you knew they're not inviting me back? In oh this- yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It when, was twenty eighteen, <laughs> and I it was the height of the Me Too era, and I was seeing I was in this ladies um facebook group like this new york city ladies facebook group and i remember we have have lunches brunches clothing swaps it's all and i remember when i they started to push out michelle wolf because she was getting very successful and i was like huh i wonder if it has to do with like the fact that she's blowing up or or what and then there'd be these women that would be like me too is popping off these women like oh i was raped too like i was in this basement at this comedy club and i was drunk and someone took advantage of me and then you hear story after story that sounds similarly and i would start to be like i don't know if it was so much that like these men are predators so much as you personally make horrible decisions like you are getting drunk and passing out in basements like that's probably not going to end in a good scenario whether you're with like bill cosby or (laughs) 
you know, Flanders. I don't know. Like from the Simpsons, like a really upstanding gentleman. That's the first person I could think of. But, and then I tweeted out, um, this, which, which the aftermath of which told me that I was definitely out of the club. Uh, I tweeted out like, if you have time to get raped, you're not doing enough spots, <laughs> which is not well received um, by the female comedian community of New York. So I was thusly kicked out of the Facebook group. Uh, Sorry, there's a there's a Facebook group for comedians or for like women comedians for or women a comedians. Okay. There's oh. a okay. a couple, but like there was the one big one. And you get you get you get kicked. Out. I mean, it's so I. It, we're going to get into it a bit with the Dylan Mulvaney joke, but you get kicked out for a joke because the joke, I guess, was too edgy for the for the milieu of stand up comedy, which is about edginess. And by the way, just, you know, talking about at the risk of getting canceled myself, which I, I, I don't have an employer. I don't know if you've read the Rudy Giuliani lawsuit uh, of the woman suing Rudy Giuliani for sexual oh, assault. God, no, I haven't. Oh, so well, she alleges in the lawsuit that she was never a big drinker. Giuliani's drinking scotch all the time. But there's one allegation where they where she alleges. They were drinking Bloody Marys as of the morning. And they both obviously were very drunk all day long. Rudy Giuliani, who was probably just as drunk as her, if not, if maybe more so, who knows, compared, was drunk, had sex with her. She had sex with him. And then she says, well, he assaulted me and I was drunk, so I could not have consented. And I'm just like, I'm looking at that. And I'm saying Girl, that is, is a fascinating. Drunk. You know what I mean? Like you consented to the drinking. But it, it's a fascinating thing to say like, well, he was drunk and therefore he assaulted me and i was drunk therefore i could not have consented but if she couldn't consent to the to the sex then neither could he so it's just a person they cancel each other out right i don't know so so you make this joke however and, and it doesn't go over well with the female comedians in your facebook comedian group deserve to get raped of course that's not it's a joke about taking responsibility and making good choices and like growing up and just not conducting yourself like a hot mess and i just kind of me realizing like hey like I find the busier I am, the less that I am in situations where bad things can happen to me. Like if you go, oh, I'm going to do five mics today instead of like, I'm going to do one and then get drunk and see what happens. Like which kind of a night do you think is going to end in, in maybe some shenanigans? That's all I was saying. But like, well, first of all, the, the, uh, generally speaking, even the offensive edgy humor doesn't need to be explained. And most often, you know, the edgy humor doesn't get you yeeted. But like, when did political correctness be, be, begin dictating the parameters of of comedy? It felt like 2018 for me because there was just a few things in a row that that was like, oh wow, I was like just making jokes and like the backlash was very harsh. Like there was a girl, this like uh, liberal comic, she had better credits than me, which is why people went to her side because I like didn't have as big of a following. And um, she was on a show on Compound Media where she stormed off the show because they were talking about um, Indian, like, cultural, what's it called, where you dress like... Cultural, like, cultural a, appropriation. Cultural appropriation of Halloween costumes. That, that's what we're talking about, like, Indian Halloween costumes. She got really offended and stormed off. And then I came in the next day in a wig, like, parroting her, <laughs> being like, oh, I'm, I'm Kate, I just forgot my jacket. And then what was supposed to be just a bit part turned into like them inviting me on the desk. And I'm doing this whole character of this woman, this like offended, woke snowflake type, you know, feminist. 
And then um, this girl, Kate, messaging me, oh, are you making fun of me? Are you, you know, I, I saw a screenshot. Again, people aren't paying for Compound Media. It's a it's a subscriber network. So people just see screenshots of me in a wig. And they go, oh, my God, you're making fun of Kate. You're such a horrible person. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just doing a parody. Like, it was no big deal. And then Kate had told me, like, you know, somebody had told me that they wanted to um, – stick a railroad spike in my butt or something like that and i i wrote to her where would someone get a railroad spike in 2018 you know uh, like, I mean, you off, even... off a railroad but that's federal property that, it'll get you in that'll get you you know stuck in jail quickly. and then so after this conversation you know i i went <laughs> i think she was posting like oh somebody said they want to rape me with a railroad spike or something which is obviously everything's an exaggeration because this girl wants to be a victim and uh and then the next day on Compound, I went on wrapped in tinfoil as a railroad spike. This was another character I did. <laughs> but but I was an anti-rape railroad spike. And I had this voice. It was so stupid. It was corny. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm a spike. I'm a, I don't want to be in any woman's keister. I got a rail at home and six little spikes I really care about. Like, I don't want to be in any woman's butt. Like, I was this anti-rape railroad spike. But sure enough, what happens? People don't subscribe to the network. They don't see the episode. But what they do do is take a screenshot of me in a, a spike costume that gets posted. Oh, look at Chrissy. She's being a raping railroad spike. Let's cancel her. She's making fun of rape. She's making fun of your of your your rape threat. And then it got blown out of proportion. All these women went to her side because she had the better credits and they probably thought, well, this woman's in a better position to help me in my career because she's already been on Comedy Central or whatever. And uh, and I already don't have the wrong, like I have the wrong political opinions. Plus she was like bigger. So mostly the support went to her and people, you know, at face value, you go, oh, that's horrible. But if you watch the episodes, you go, oh, this is just like a dumb joke. Like she's clearly not advocating for harm here. Well, I'll, I'll, to, to quote Scott Adams, he says, until you've been smeared by the media, you don't understand what it feels like. But that is a pretty damn good example as to understanding it and then it changing your perspective uh, going forward. Yeah. Chrissy, uh, it's a very interesting thing. Hold on. Let me, let me just bring this up. I have actually never seen a, a Wikipedia page that Wikipedia. doesn't have a bloody birth date. How old are you, Chrissy? Oh, you never ask a lady uh, her age. I'm asking. I want to break news. I want Wikipedia to be updated after this episode to say Chrissy finally reveals her age. Are, are you you're under 30? You can't be under it. 30. You can't I'll be because you're doing something in 2012. So you'd have to be 34. I'll take it. Okay, fine. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to get Wikipedia, whatever you what, like. What is the uh, what's the first uh, movie that you remember seeing? Ah. <sighs> In in um in theaters or just in theaters, yes. That's a really good question. I can tell you the first concert I saw. Okay, go for it. Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. All right, I got your age. We can move on now. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, close enough. I can pinpoint. I mean, I mean, what I meant to say <laughs> was Taylor Swift. You know, my, my first rock concert was Rolling Stones, Steel Wheels Tour, and somebody blew marijuana in my face, and I had no idea what it was. And then he said, we're going to get high tonight. I was with my parents' best friends, because I guess my parents didn't take me to shows. Um, yeah, okay, fine. Done. Okay, but no, Chrissy, like, jokes aside, I, I couldn't even play this. Um, I, I could have played it on YouTube. I didn't not play it on YouTube. I didn't want to start with the, um, I didn't want to start with the punch. When I ask you, like, when politics ruined comedy, and you're sort of, you, you can pinpoint it to 2018. I'm just trying to think of when Saturday Night Live stopped being funny. 
this this made this was big news. This was big news um, recently. Let's just play this out here so you can explain what happened. I've got so many questions. Three What like why has it been a year of girlhood and still no tits? That's that's day one. Naughty okay? humor coming. If I'm transitioning to a dude, Morning. one I'm getting a cock, and I just I'm getting the biggest one you can find. Like go into the back. I can't laugh because it'll. Get me something black, okay? <laughs> I have something to prove here. Okay, the joke is coming. No, the, the incident is coming. Because he's a man. Yeah, he can go tomorrow. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. We have one of those. I figured. No, it's all good. We can all have different beliefs. It's okay. Some of us can believe in reality and some of us can't. <laughs> like, this is America, we should have to Coexist the bumper sticker. It's all good. Binary, we didn't have bisexual, we didn't have as many labels. It was just like, oh, you're not bisexual, you're just fun at parties. <laughs> it's okay. She's just a good time. I've always felt that way. <laughs> Now they're leaving. Yeah. Now they're leaving. Like they're now they're leaving. Oh, pause it. This woman who gets up first is wearing pink S and M equipment over her clothing. Uh, that gives hold on. You a are, sense. You, are you? Is it a joke or was it real pink S and M clothing? Yes, she's wearing a strap contraption. She's wearing a system of pulleys and levers. Look at that. Okay. There I, was like I, in a million years, in the I front, a collar. There was a system of levers. It was well. Now, was now a we're going to now we're gonna get into your into your jokes that some people said were not nice. I'm, we'll we'll get to all of this. Let in some people oh I my. shouldn't have. <laughs> I let some people because they were real athletic. <laughs> and I mean, I saw potential. <laughs> I, I don't I know. I, I don't know how you have set aside audacity. You know, whatever. I don't know how you have the the comedic courage to do this i mean I, I in a million years look we all have we all have bad thoughts and then you formulate them into comedy but okay people just because they were poor reagan now they're leaving. i'm trying to do they a joke i'm like right, right, i see them leaving from i'm really i see them leaving because they there was the one outburst no she's a woman she's a woman and then that was it no one said anything else and i like i see them getting up and leaving and i actually see the table surrounding them looking over at them but i'm like okay this only has the attention of like two or three tables it's not worth um, it's not worth commenting on because the whole room is not seeing this. So I was like, I'm just gonna keep going with this bit, and uh, this table in front here with like the the girl with the black hair and the kind of ball guy. They were looking over at them. They felt tense to me. But it's, again, it's like not worth stopping my bit to be like, oh, you're leaving now. I'm like, all right, people leave. Like, you know what I mean? You're you're all doing this like assessment very quickly in your head. Like, what's worth it? What's not? Like, don't don't you know what I mean? Like, look. It's not the first time I've walked people. It's not the last time I've walked people. Yeah. Alex Stein, I've walked a table the day before and I was making, I was making fun of him for it. Like, in fact, at this table that Alex Stein walked, I think they were heard outside saying the woman was saying to the man, like, do you think that's funny? Do you really think that was funny? And the guy was like, yeah, we're going to get into the absurdity of going to I, what time of day is this? Is this late night or this was the late show? Yeah, okay. This we'll, we'll was to... the, I think. 9 30 you, you go you go to late night late-ish stand-up comedy to get offended but we'll we'll, we'll finish this 45 this seconds this is the 9 30 show so this is like a 9 30 to 11 oh. o'clock show okay here listen to this presented in the pamphlet sir you can't right did you see yourself coming here is that the best 
Oh, I see. She screamed on the way out. Okay. She screamed when she was at the door. Okay, now I understand. Which is the most cowardly thing you can do. Not that I wanted them to rush the stage, and I shouldn't have said it. That is that the best you can do? Because these women were all much bigger than me. They could have knocked me over. Like I had four linebackers sitting at the table. I got. I don't questions. know why I had to test them. I got questions about that. Okay, hold on. Oh. Help save. I don't want those women to get harpooned in the neck on their way to their cars. I'm worried about their safety. There's poachers out there. They're gonna want their tusks. <laughs> They were fat though, and that did help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, stop, I'm gonna stop there. Um, Chrissy, there's I have so many questions about this because people don't understand. I mean, people don't appreciate you're doing a stand-up bit. I, I go to I, I don't go to a lot of stand-up, but I like going. And you know when people are out there in the crowd, um, not heckling even, but just distracting the comedian it's a performance and you get distracted. And then the question mm -hmm. is, you get distracted. Do you decide to uh pivot? and then make an event, make the bit out of the distraction or just try to ignore the distraction and carry on. And at some point you make a decision. When she's out the door and she says, fuck the trans, fuck you transphobe. You're like, okay, do I ignore that and continue on with my bit? I can't, that is um, a right. moment shattering I event. can't finish that joke. I literally had another couple of tags on that joke. It's like, I can't, I have to acknowledge it. It's very loud, everyone heard it. So it's like, I'm not finishing this joke, that's done. Uh, and, and it's like, this is very loud and obnoxious and everyone in the room heard it. So it's like, you have to acknowledge anything. It's something everyone in the room can hear it. Or it's like a drink falls or a dish breaks or someone falls or someone gets up to go to the bathroom and everyone can see like, those are things that I feel like you have to acknowledge because so every it's happening in the room and everyone can see it. Now, now here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to bring up this comment from the Rumble Rants because it's it's uh, it's a I think it's on point. Hold on, let me see. Bring it up here. It says Chrissy's the only female comedian I know that stood on her principles prior it, to it being trendy. She works hard and she deserves all the success and praise she's receiving. Now Aww. we're going to get there. Actually, uh, stop screen now. I'll bring that back. But Thank you got to make a decision now. You're going you're going to roast these people, and it's a risk because if you roast someone and it doesn't work, then you look bad as a comedian. Oh now, yeah. You roasted them, and you go to the you go to the fat joke, and it's it's of sort of course the, you have to. Well, I mean, so under certain circumstances, when it's not quite so um, striking as far as a uh, an element of look, it, it, it was it was striking. I had to look, acknowledge the elephants in the room. <laughs> okay, see, I would laugh in as much as I'd laugh at a stand up comedy show, but I would not make those jokes. I, I, I okay. Is there a part of you that feels bad about what? Nope. No, not as soon as you, you interrupt my show, you mess up my joke. You, you think your opinion, first of all, she corrected a, like this male audience member, this grown ass man. You think you're going to change the mind of a grown ass man sitting in a Dallas comedy show. You think you're it's ultimately heckling is so the most selfish thing you could do next to trying to cancel somebody's show. You're saying that your important, your opinion is more important and more right better than this guy who's you're, you, you're right. And your opinion is more important than everybody in the room who's laughing and enjoying themselves. So you go in that moment. Wow. Let's say even 60% of the audience was enjoying me at that time. And let's say some were quiet and you know, some people are quiet laughers. Some Maybe people were neutral looking at their phone, fingering their date, who knows? But like her in that moment goes, you know what? But my opinion is right. So I need to I need to interrupt this show, interrupt this joke. I have to let this man and this woman, the woman that I paid money to, I literally paid money to hear her opinion tonight. No, I'm going to interrupt and let everybody know that I'm right. And this man in the crowd and this woman performing are wrong. 
and it's so selfish and she did it in a shitty way. It's not like you meet after the show, like, Hey, I'm trans. I didn't really like that joke. It's not like, Hey, I sends you an email after the fact going, Hey, like I was at your show. Like I was a little offended, but cause I've gotten those emails where people are uh, write me and then say that they're offended. No, she had to interrupt what I was doing to let everyone to like grandstand. And then like, she had to be the star for a second. She had to be like the most, I'm the most moral, most right, smartest, most evolved person in here. Cause I'm taking a stand against this person. It's, it's like, it's so selfish. And like, once you do that, I go, Oh, my blood starts. It's a combination of like, your blood is boiling. Like you're like, you, you, you're fucking up my joke. For the most basic heckle, for the most cowardly interaction, you don't even have a witty retort. You're not even going to, like, try to attack me. You're not going to throw anything, a sandwich or a drink in my head. Like, how boring to just call me a transphobe as you're out the door. You're putting in the least in terms of heckling. And it's like, my blood is boiling, but also my heart is beating so fast because you're like, there is a chance these these whales could attack me. Like, there is a... And there was a guy in the front that was saying, you know, I was on safari once. You got to ride. You have to run side to side when you're being chased by him. But this is literally what the guy said after they walked out of the room. I was like laughing my balls off. I was like, okay, if they came running towards the stage, I would just run side to side out of the room. And then you guys would have to. Like, it's an urban. Them. It's an urban legend. They say the same thing down in Florida to outrun an alligator. You run zigzag. You don't. First of all, you just run faster than the person next to you and, and you'll be fine. But a big, but a boom. That's why I'm not on stand up. But so I, I like the idea, you, you know, the observation it's it's selfish it's not like um you know the the comedian says i'm going to ask some questions and then make fun where they've made the individual the object of the joke or the you know part of the joke and even then when the person takes it a little too far and then starts making the bit the stand-up show about them and not about the comedian even the audience starts to go "Eh, okay dude you know chill out and back off uh they do this they make a scene you are obviously i say trained as a comedian you're you're you you could, on the one hand, either fear these things or revel in them because you can turn it into what it has been turned into, which is, look, from a cynical perspective, like the greatest marketing ever, but also, you know, showing your talent as a comedian to have your stand-up bit and then to improv. Um, the blowback you got, did you find you got blowback or you got feedback and support for this? I noticed one person- A mix of both, way more support than blowback although today i did have a drag queen in my dms like i'm like wow like (laughs) how viral this has gotten for a drag queen to be like you know going back and forth with me on on twitter i'm like it's certainly and and like i think twitter has thwarted it not like i'm going to complain about like three million views on a on a video on twitter but like they have completely thwarted like it hasn't gotten any more views in a couple days it's been a mix way more positive than negative i was surprised at first at how viral this went because this seems like a very typical heckler moment like i think i assume most comedians are having a moment like this every couple of months and like i could be way busier than i am like i could be doing way more dates like somebody like kreischer or mark norman or even like jim jim norton or like uh any of these household names that are performing like without fail every single weekend and and doing like many many dates like i assume that this is happening to everybody all the time and like for me this was a very basic heckle and um but like, I've never, like, I, I went, I went at her like more than I probably have anybody else. Cause I was just so fucking pissed that she stepped on my punchline. <laughs> and, uh, 
And then just, it feels like such a risk. Cause I'm like, I have nothing prepared for how to deal with a heckler. I just, I'm literally digging deep into my soul. I'm like, okay, I guess all I'm bringing up are dad jokes. Like I'm just one after the other. I'm like, well, I guess I'm making another fat joke. Like it's just, it's coming out while you're thinking of it. And again, everything you're saying, you're like, this could completely bomb or this could be kind of funny. Let's hope for kind of funny. And, uh, what just kept coming out was just many fat jokes of all time. And then I, after the show was over, I went to the table and my merch table was like, the shirts were all like not folded nicely. Like I had left them. They were all kind of fucked up looking I'm like what happened to the, and then the, this guy, the guy working the door was like, Oh yeah, they pushed all your shirts off the table. And that's when I did the tweet, like they stampeded my merch table. And I was like, what? were they upset that I didn't carry a three X? Like what, why not go over someone's, merch like their shirts no but i've I've never i will never understand the rationale of someone who goes to a stand-up comedy club which is going to be raunchy offensive humor to get offended it would be like me as a you know a a, a young jewish boy going to a a, a neo-nazi concert and then complaining about what i hear saying excuse me guys uh would you mind toning that down like you go to the event knowing what it is it's if it's not edgy if it's not raunchy if it's not insulting to somebody it's not funny but this is the question now chrissy like you're, you're living in a world i i don't know if we're on the rebound side of the political correctness i i have a feeling we are uh what is it like doing the live comedy tour now or doing live shows now where you on the one hand are dealing with people who want to laugh and who want to laugh at the absurdity of our reality but on the other hand the people who are so stuck in the reality that they'll get upset if you actually make a joke about dylan mulvaney who has a penis not being a woman like right how, and how that whole thing that? was a riff like i hadn't i hadn't planned to do any dylan mulvaney jokes at all like i i i had like a couple of trans jokes that i do that are like shorter but since uh my friend keanu thompson who was the host that was the joke the whole tour like from vegas to dallas like that she kind of looks like um dylan mulvaney that people on fremont street were asking her what day of girlhood she was on like these were you have when you go on like a mini tour or whatever or do shows the same people like i end up making jokes about the people i'm with just because like lila hart who's four foot six she has spina bifida i've done a lot of shows with her i'll oftentimes be like oh yeah just ignore your amber alerts those are for lila she's here with us she's safe like you you end up just making jokes about the people that you're doing shows with like same thing with like alex stein like there's so many things to like make fun of about him too and that was one of the jokes is that like keanu kind of looks like dylan and i'm riffing about dylan and i'm kind of just like yeah what why hasn't she gotten tits like what she's had all the time in the world you know and all the resources access to the best doctors all the money you really want to be a woman like tits that's it's right away like you like what was taking so long and no seeming interest to get anything done and i've been saying this whole time i'm like i'm like dylan could tomorrow wake up and be like, I guess I'm going back to it. I'm just going to be a dude with a tight face no, now. Sure. Like gonna, Dylan he's has, he's just has not, he's not all, he's not all in, you know, no, he's, so he, uh, he, he can go back to being a gay male, which is what this yep. typically was before this whole uh, thing took over. It's like, if you're a gay male, you, you, you're in the wrong body and you must be trans. Uh, he, he'll have that luxury. And then other people like uh, people I've had on the show will not have that luxury because they've gone, they've taken the step that cannot be untaken. Um, the tour that, or, or the show, the club that you're at, like, is, is there now on the live comedy scene a dichotomy between, let's just say, like the Joe Rogan esque type clubs and the ones where you can't make certain joke type clubs? 
Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of part of the reason why I don't have more gigs is because I don't have uh, any management or any agents. And like, that's the way it works is like, let's say somebody has the same, they have, I don't know who everyone's represented by, but you can look it up. It's any mainstream comic, like has their representation on the website or whatever. So let's say you have like a household name, like, I don't know, Bert Kreischer, but he also represents somebody smaller. Maybe that is on my level. The way that these agents and managers will work, like, well, we'll book you. Uh, they'll talk to whatever flappers or something. Okay. Well, we, they definitely want Bert or they want this household name these weekends. All right, well, let's do that. And let's get, let's get our smaller people in too, because the management always wants to book all of their clients, but that's how these smaller comics like help. They're helped to, to get into these clubs. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause they'll rep the much bigger people and then they'll get their smaller people, their dates too, because the clubs want to work with the very big people and they want to work with the um, esteemed, you know, like management companies, but like nobody will touch me. I voted for Trump. I was at January 6th. Like I am seen as part of the alt-right. So nobody will represent me. So like every show I get is just from writing to these clubs being like, I have this much following. I have the, this is my press kit. This is how many listens I get on my podcast, things like that. Like here's how well I've done in similar markets. I do my, I look at YouTube analytics. I go, okay, where do most of my fans seem to be living? And then I target those areas. Like I just can't, I can't just perform anywhere. And then I see all these requests, like, come here, come here. How come you haven't come here? And then it's people like listing these mainstream clubs. I'm like these places, like, and I don't want to say, don't like never say never, but like these places won't have me. And I was just talking to Tyler Fisher about this. Like literally the other day, Tyler was like, I'm at the comedy cellar in New York city. Like many nights, like most nights, sometimes I close, I crush still nobody will touch me. He's like, I don't understand. Like, are, are, aren't the cultural tides turning in the favor of comedians like you and I? It, it still feels like we're just the untouchables. Like, aren't, aren't we the cash cows, he was saying to me? I'm like, it doesn't feel like that because it feels like these management companies are leftist. And they don't, it's, it seems like they don't want to manage someone who doesn't, like, have the same political. And also, like, comedy and Hollywood are still very intertwined uh especially when you get into like movies commercials and hollywood is super left and so i think a lot of these comedy management companies are also very left because that's who they eventually want to push into like deals and you know madison square garden and like you know getting on certain like movies and and stuff like that and i just think like politically it's still or who knows or maybe i'm just not that funny and and no, no one well, wants to rep me for that reason but it just feels it feels like I have a stink on me, which is fine. And I embrace and I wouldn't want it any other way because this is who I truly am and how I truly feel. And I'd so much rather be doing it this way and have my few fans that are ride or die than be a sellout, than get vaxxed. You know what I mean? That Or like run around with a fake vax card or uh, pretend I thought the lockdowns were great, you know, just to get booked at a few more gigs a year. Like, fuck that. I couldn't sleep at night. For those who don't understand the the economy of stand up comedy, like where is for a, a typical comedian the best or the most lucrative venue, the path? I guess is it doing the shows? Do those pay, or do, do even those who do the shows they do that to promote their stuff independently? It, how how does it work? In, in like the field? for me, I probably make like most of my. Uh, so when I lost my job, like for me, the podcasting kind of like made up for the money that I lost from not having like a day job. Uh, and, and comedy stand up for me, live stand up is just like a, a, like a percentage of my, of my income. Uh, but it's still mostly, it's, it's what I make from 
doing like my like compound media show, YouTube, like all of the things. And if I get a random, you know, sponsor for that, um, if that like, I mean, I, I'm sure I could be booking more standup. And that's the thing is, I don't know how the really successful people do it. Um, I guess it depends if you if you sell out a room and you're there Thursday through Sunday and you do like two shows a day. I mean, it's, it's hard to know like what the successful people are making because I'm just like not there yet. Well, I'm just and I'm just trying to think of like how it happens is, is one sort of like advertising that leads to other more lucrative uh, sponsorships or gigs or is like is it is the summit, the pinnacle, the stand up show. And I, I was at the um, the reawaken tour where I saw Alex Stein and Jim Brewer was doing a bit in front of the oh, entire crowd. I love Jim. He, well, he's amazing. But then I'm, I mean, I'm thinking like, OK, he, you know, I don't know. He, he I don't know if he was paying. I don't know anything of how it works. I presume he was. But it's a it's a big room. There's a lot of people there. But Jim Brewer is sort of established old time you know an established comedian who's now sort of i don't want to say fallen off the rails but definitely thinks january 6 was exactly what it was thinks russia gate ex- was exactly what it was thinks the jab is exactly what it is um and it might be a totally different world for him than someone who's coming up in this in this new world now where uh y- you don't have that 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 not that network but that root structure system o- on the comedy tour itself are there is there a blossoming right wing and i call it right wing i'm just going to call it the other you got your left wing and then you got your all-inclusive is there a blossoming all-inclusive or is it is it is it even from a club perspective uh not yet a blossoming you know uh, industry it's so tricky because like i've definitely been labeled a right-wing comedian even though if you were to look at a typical stand-up set like it's not particularly uh i think a lot of my jokes are still like from the position of like just being of fucking like white chick in america i don't know like i have jokes about getting waxed i have jokes about my fiance i have jokes about dating somebody with a kid i have jokes about like um like different jobs i've had and uh just just relationships you know which which had i been a different person in different packaging you'd be like oh this is like liberal this is like a liberal chick stand-up comedy but like over the last few years i have noticed like yeah i am talking more about the lockdowns and uh the rona and um depending on what city i'm in i'll comment on like whatever is going on in that city or whoever's running it or you know fucking it up that sort of thing and but i find like when i do take i'll take a risk and say like stuff that's like more based on stage and then that gets good feedback it it just uh emboldens me to like lean harder in that direction and i think over the last couple years i have become much braver like ever since i put out this album i was like i'm gonna call my album live from january 6th and like half of it is about january 6th the other half is just jokes i've had over the years and i'm like once I sort of decided, like, I guess this is like I'm branding myself with it. This is funny. Why not? I was there. Bring it on. Like, I am trying to, like, get it out to the world that the that the day was not as bad as everyone says it was. It was fun. It was chill. You know, it was it's it, it's been reported unfairly. Uh, I Yeah, I have become like more brave about like just speaking. And sometimes this is what I was saying before. Like, sometimes comedy is all about just saying the honest thing in the moment. You don't even necessarily need a punchline sometimes you just get up there and that's what this dylan teckler moment was all about like i was just saying true things i was just saying no because he's a man some of us believe in reality and some of us don't not particularly clever not particularly edgy in my opinion like this these are the comments that are in most of our twitter feeds every day but just to say it out loud it's it's sometimes this you can feel it's like this is why we need comedy because it's like a pressure release it's like 
I'm not crazy. Okay. Uh, somebody else thinks this too. Wow. Okay. I, I, this is all right. Good. I'm not the only one who thinks this. All right. Because the left, they want to control us at our schools, at our jobs. These women were trying to treat this, this comedy club, like their corporate DEI training, you know, maybe their teachers, maybe they work in HR. Like if I were to take a guess, yeah, I would say like maybe HR or maybe they're like preschool teachers. I don't know. Maybe they're just like getting ready to come out to their students on Monday. Who knows? But these women that feel the, the type of heckler you can like over the years, you start to go, you start to figure out like their deal. Just like I can guess a, an Indian man in the audience has an, a job in IT and nine times out of 10, I'm right. You know, and uh, they, these women, they live, they live with these hecklers, like in their life, they're never wrong. They're never challenged, but at the comedy club, they also want to be in control and have their reality be the main, the reality that everybody I guess bends the knee to and and that's the thing is the comedy club is where you should be laughing at things that would get you fired from your job. You should be saying things at a comedy club that would get you fired from your job. You you should be saying side comments to your buddy at the table that would get you because this is all we have left. It's our release. Like it's 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 why people watch sports, it's why people play video games. It's like we need that escape. And with comedy, it's almost like people are looking for like just honesty because well, there's propaganda everywhere in our phones on our tvs and the radio and, and it's like the comedy club feels like the only place where you can just hear something real well it's it's the whole thing like if something is detached from reality it's not funny like there has to be an element of truth in it and i and i think Chappelle has shown that the, the comedians of today are really the the gestures of the past or the you know the modern day philosophers where they have to uh, bring up the absurdity of the times for the people to understand course in the olden days it was always the jesters that would get executed by the king if they went one step too far but but without without getting there let me just i'm gonna bring i'm gonna give you uh, i don't know if you've seen this video speaking of you know like just denying reality and the absurdity of life look at this i mean if, if wow i feel bad for these people like I, 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 I say how, I, how are you gonna go through life if if you can't handle like someone talking shit from behind a fence you know like no, if then, you're gonna it, react at an 11 to that like how are you gonna react when there's actual problems in your life when your mom dies when you lose your job like it, it is i don't it know is, there's no it, coping skills it's it is the old expression you know if you, if you don't if you're not liberal when you're young you have no heart and if you're not conservative when you're old you have no brain but chrissy Okay, so hold on before because we're going to run out of time. I know you got a hard out. Uh, the the other thing that you made the news for Chrissy and I'm still trying to piece together this story. Was it a troll from the day one? Was it a troll from minute one that you masterfully exploited, or and I'm saying this with where's where's the article, or was it legitimately embarrassing in the sense <laughs> it was it really okay. was? I'm sorry, and I don't mean that, I don't mean to call you a baby if you found it legitimately. No, call me a baby. I just have no idea what the hell is going on here. You, this is the after picture, I think, from what I understand, not yes. the before picture. So this you get on, you're after. flying to Vegas for the for the event where you got where the heckling event, right? That's where the the heckling occurred. Yes, no. this was on the flight from Vegas to Dallas. This is before any of the heckler moments happened. Um, we had the Friday Night Tights Geeks and Gamers meetup in Vegas. Then we had uh, I was headlining at the Space, and I had Keanu and Lila Hart um, on for that one too. 
and we had we were staying at the Rio, which is an old, fabulous hotel in yeah, Vegas. There is have the WSOP there until they. Until oh, they no it's so did. I love an old hotel. I don't like the nice hotels. I'd rather do Fremont Street and and like drink a glass of gin at a smoky bar. And so we went to this store at the Rio, which, which like, you know, your everyone's boomer mom would love it. Like everything there is sparkly. Everything's covered in rhinestones. And I'm like, I love this store. I like just bought every, I bought boots. I bought that whole outfit there. It's basically like a, a sheer cover-up outfit. And I'm wearing a sparkly bathing suit under it. And me and Kiana were both like, let's just wear these fabulous outfits on the plane. Why not? Like, let's just continue the Vegas as long as possible. And we check our bags at the curb no issue from that american airlines employee i don't go through the the, the machines because my mom died of cancer and i'm like weird about the the, the airport machines so i don't, I had to do the pat down and i got a lovely pat down by a lovely butch woman she had no problem with my outfit she did the behind the hands she didn't linger she was very professional but she didn't say hey you're gonna have to change your pants so we we passed through multiple employees that like no one said anything about our outfits we're, we're at a bar. We go, oh, shit. It's about 15 minutes before our flight's taking off. We kind of zoom over. We're among the last to get on. All of a sudden, I feel a tap on my shoulder. I go, this is it. I'm getting taken away for January 6th. Goodbye, Keanu. Finish the tour without me. I go, they're getting, they got me. And he's like, excuse me, ma'am, you have to change your pants. I was like, what? What? The, the, the pants are just skin tight down they're just pants they're okay they're not like i'm not like a sausage in there they're like they're fitted they're like stretchy pants that are a little sheer did but i was pants... wearing a full brief a full well, like bathing suit brief underneath but i'm just saying like did the pants have the print of a woman's vagina on it so that people thought no. you were naked? So, like they're just they're I didn't just pants. Have an ex no i didn't have an exposed asshole out or anything <laughs> keanu was the one who was naked from the waist down because her <laughs> underwear was sewn into her skirt and so I'm quickly, all of her luggage is like checked away. I'm quickly, I go, I hear you have to change your pants. I immediately snap into action because I don't want to miss this flight. We have to literally drive in the morning from Dallas to Austin. Like I have to be on InfoWars. So I'm like, I can't miss that. So I'm, I'm opening up my suitcase. I grab shorts out and then Keanu comes over. Is everything okay? The guy goes, yeah, you too. Points at her and goes, you too. You have to change your pants too. And she's like, what? And I'm like, oh God. And I'm, and I throw the pair of shorts at her too. I like literally grab these two pairs of shorts and I'm, and all of a sudden I'm just dropping trow at the gate putting these shorts on because i we can't miss this flight we can't stay in vegas we have all these plans we have all these appearances set and uh i'm trying to block keanu and she's like oh my god the underwear is sewn into my skirt and i'm just like just go 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 and so she's actually her ass everything is out like i don't know who saw i'm sure the camera and the, the the dude that had to told us to change nobody said hey take five minutes go to the restroom nobody said hey we'll hold the flight I, nobody I, said I, hey I, go behind the desk it i just, just like, don't even i don't even understand the rationale behind it so it, it, but the bottom line is it, it wasn't uh you were not what's the word you you're not creating this incident so that it would be a, a funny troll on the airlines this was legit no. like unexpected no, this is very unexpected. And I figured like we're coming from Vegas. We're wearing very Vegasy outfits. Like how many probably actual prostitutes do they see every day <laughs> wearing far worse? I just really thought we would be fine. I And you got an apology from American Airlines? 
kind of barely it was like ah like a sorry this happened to you email but they didn't offer anything they were and i'm a gold member See, i don't that's know if I, you knew I, that well I, now i know that uh, when you tweeted out is this how they treat people with you know the rewards clients and i didn't know if that was i don't know what's part of the joke and what's not but uh, holy crap okay. i mean you're coming out of vegas it's like I, I i when i flew out of vegas when was i there recently the people i saw dressed on the plane i mean okay i i could understand that I, what you put yourselves into was even more revealing than than what they must have. Because he didn't even say, "Hey, here's what's wrong with your outfits. Here's what you should wear instead." I was like, "I assume it's because my pants are a little sheer." But again, I'm wearing a full, large black bikini bottom under it, uh, like a bathing suit bottom. And uh, again, no follow up. He didn't even. He he probably saw us changing. Didn't think to stop us. He should have been like, "Oh my god, no, 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 wait, no. Of course, I didn't mean here. Of course, I meant go to the no, nothing like that." They should have had a woman tell us to change our pants because it's kind of uh, creepy when a dude is like change your pants no but it's, you like, it's like the, the stories we've heard of like people saying take that hat off it says take your maga hat off and i don't feel comfortable sitting next to you i, I don't even understand uh, how they asked you to do that let alone coming out of vegas christy i don't want to hold you past your, your your hard out time let me do one thing real quick like go back to rumble and just read these two rumble rants christy mayor is the funniest female king uh, i've seen imagine how funny she would be if she was a man lord of the reed that's i not think about that every day <laughs> That's not a bad joke, Lord of the Reef. And uh, Matt G. Hammond says Chrissy Mayer is the best. Uh, oh, Chrissy, man. so uh, what's what do you have next on the horizon? Where can people find you? And what links are you going to send me right when we're done so that I can put them in the pinned comment? I will be buying a strap-on to wear on my next flight. I will have a visible <laughs> cock outline so that this doesn't happen again. Okay? I'm going to start saying I'm trans. You can't do this to me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just do a, like a lot of. Uh, I'll do blackface, and I'll just. You no, know. no, that, that's that's still that's still that's not empowerment. <laughs> Racial crossover right. is not empowerment yet. But I can. Actually. I think I can be more easily like I can do trans easier than I can do a different race. So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have a penis on me next time I fly somewhere. Uh, I will be in New Jersey July 8th at TIFFs in Morris Plains. Uh, I'm going to try to add a few more dates to the calendar for summer, but I will definitely be in Virginia August 9th, and then I'll be at Anime Matsuri in Houston in August. I think that convention is from the 10th to the 13th, and I'm headlining that weekend in Houston at the Secret Group on Friday, August 11th, so you guys can get tickets for all those shows now. And uh, the podcast, you still have, I don't even want to say the name of it. Is it still the same podcast? The Chrissy Mayer podcast. The last time, the last time we interviewed, <laughs> it, it, it was the wet spot, and I yeah, and I had I, that one too. Okay. So you got the Chrissy Mayer podcast, uh, the wet spot podcast. Are you on Rumble as well? I am on Rumble. Yeah, I am on Rumble. Like everything sort of copies over to Rumble. That's how okay. I have it set up. Are you are and, you on Locals yet? Uh, no, Locals is intimidating to me. Okay, it's, I'm don't, I'm gonna DM you okay. afterwards. We're gonna figure that out real okay. fast because that that's like that. Look, I say. Honing comedy, getting ideas, practicing. I mean, I, I would imagine I'm not in the industry, but that would be like the, an amazing place to do it. But Ooh, I'm intrigued for sure. And also Simpcast on my YouTube channel, um, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Also, I will be doing a one-on-one -on -one interview with Dr. Peter McCullough, date to be determined. Uh, I should be firming that up in the next couple weeks. Fantastic. All right. Chrissy, you stick around. We'll say our proper guys, our proper goodbyes. Oh, sorry, there was one more here. It says uh, for me, happy birthday, Viva, twenty third. I know because I'm a week it, on on. Is it Monday or Tuesday? The the twenty third of May. I'm turning forty four freaking years old. Tuesday. Right. Next wow. Tuesday. Yeah, that sounds good. So you're uh, a a Gemini or a Taurus? I am a Gemini. 
Oh, that's way better. That explains a lot. If anyone believes in that stuff, I'm not sure that I do because all of those astrological descriptions are broad enough to include everybody and anybody for every given month. Exactly what a Gemini would say. (laughs) Classic. Chrissy. Thank you. Let's do this again. Uh, it's been phenomenal. Everyone in the chat, I'm going to end this and Chrissy and I are going to say our proper goodbyes, but I'll put up the links where you can find Chrissy. Chrissy, thank you. We'll uh, Thank you, guys. Okay. Stick around. Hail Everyone to else, the chat. Peace out. Peace out.